everyone, and welcome to Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Jen. We are back after taking a bit of a mid-season break. I know we both had some big life-changing events and shit going on for the last... Haven't we all? It's like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This summer has been a... It's been a time to be alive. Yeah, and uh, we, we, we had decided... When we heard that Roe v. Wade was potentially and you know, eventually getting overturned, that we would do some episodes on abortion, and then we took our mid-season break, and we were like, "Oh God, <laughs> this is a big topic." <laughs> yeah, this is we're a both lot. really feeling it too. I mean, our rights, along with millions of other people's rights, have been taken away, and it's like, do we do we have the time and energy to like really dig into this, or can we just sit in our feelings and be sad for a second? Yeah. This week, we are going to be talking all about the history of abortion, both medically, well, very lightly medically, yeah, mostly politically, and we will also be discussing the implications of Roe v. Wade being overturned, which it has been, if you're not living under a rock. Right, so what's going on yeah. now, uh, now that yep. it has been? All right, well, buckle the fuck in and up, enjoy. In, buckle up, buckle in. Put your butt plugs in and enjoy. Okay. So I think to start off, I do want to say that I will, I don't think Jen or I will be using the terms pro-life because um, I don't think that is an accurate term. I think it is very much a morally coded term mm-hmm. that the anti-abortion side likes to use to make themselves seem moral. So we will be referring to quote-unquote pro-life as anti-abortion. Or do you have anything else? You I, call I sometimes call them anti-choice, but either either yeah. is fine. Forced birthers. <laughs> I don't think we're going to go that far, but, but we, we yeah. will be breaking down also in a later episode why pro-life is just not an accurate description of yeah. what anti-choice people are. So stay tuned for that. We clearly don't have a side here. <laughs> so uh, to get started, I guess I will walk us through some of the history. Uh, I didn't get a ton on, you know, medically how an abortion works. I don't personally think that's like super relevant to our podcast because you know i think you can talk to your doctor about that (laughs) a lot of the ways it works now that i know just on a high level is there's like you know um a pill that you can take Mm -hmm. uh that happens at home there's a bunch of different kinds i don't know i honestly didn't research it maybe i'll cut this all out (laughs) (laughs) i i know a a little bit i mean there are different kinds of abortions the the ones that are that happen early on in the first trimester are usually medical abortions taken with two pills. You can also do it. Uh, you know, sometimes you, even after you take these pills have to physically remove tissue from the body. So that's a, a physical medical procedure. Um, yeah. but that the pills are the most common currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because most abortions are done early enough that you can do that. And mm-hmm. it is the least invasive and, probably slightly safer Mm -hmm. and again like kaylee said this is this is something that doctors and patients and perhaps by extension the family of the patient decides so it's not really relevant to this podcast or to us how it's done yeah all you need to know is that it's an incredibly safe procedure and safer than being pregnant one that's for sure yeah so as far as the, as the history, uh, I looked at a couple of different sources for this that I'm going to kind of pick and choose little things. Uh, one of them is I listened to this podcast called Sawbones, and it is this podcast by a doctor and her husband. Uh, and I normally listen to the husband's podcast with his brothers called My Brother, My Brother and Me. It's just a very goofy, mm-hmm. fake advice show that's pretty funny. But this uh, this one is basically like the history of different medical procedures and stuff. And this one, they did the history of abortion. And so in this, they basically talked not so much about the politics, but about like different ways that abortion was done mm. back in the day. And it was just 
like I mean it was kind of sad but also kind of of funny so like one of them like one of the older methods for like inducing abortion that they used to tell people to do was like to do a bunch of exercise like running and jumping or like jumping high and touching your 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 feet to your butt don't you know that makes your (laughs) uterus fall out Kaylee of course they would say that Uh, But of course, like the most common kind is like herbal concoctions. Mm. And like those have been around since pretty much as long as people have been having babies. Right. So some of the other sources that I use, there's a really good Planned Parenthood article that kind of talks about a lot of these different issues as well as an American Progress article. Mm. So overall... Abortion actually used to be totally allowed. So I'm, I'm going to center all of this on America because we are talking about abortion in America. Right. So abortion in America was always allowed. Like Crazy. back in pilgrim times. Yeah. It wasn't like a religious or moral argument. People, it was totally normal to have abortions until what was called the quickening, which mm-hmm. is basically when you can feel your baby kick or move within the mm. womb. And that's around four months of pregnancy. Interesting. Which would be what, like uh, 16-ish, 16 to 20 weeks? 16 yeah. weeks? Which is way longer than a lot of... <laughs> than a lot of states currently allow for. It's, it's yeah. really interesting to me because it almost seems like our understanding of abortion is just not how they understood it at all back then. Like... Yeah. Um, it wasn't even, I mean, I've seen a lot of different, uh, verbiage used around this. Like there were recommendations on how women could return to menstruation, which is like, yeah. definitely not like give yourself an abortion. Here's how it's like, there's not even, you don't, you're not even pregnant until like the quickening. Right. So. Right. Right. And, uh, for the most part, abortion was only not allowed for like basically two reasons. One, if it was like medically dangerous to the woman and that mm. was particularly around surgical abortions okay which were not common i mean surgery was commonly recommended against too back then, right you yeah. know any surgery like <laughs> so uh that was like the main reason and the other reason sometimes of course it had to do with giving men an heir mm. so if a man didn't already have another kid and a woman wanted to abort his baby or like then who are we going to give all this land to <laughs> Come on, there are structures of power here. (laughs) We're keeping you out of them. Yeah. (laughs) But in general, like, abortions were very common. Nobody batted an eye at Mm. it. And they were commonly performed by midwives. So it was pretty much always women that were involved in this process. And according to the Planned Parenthood article that I read, uh, over half of the women who provided reproductive care were actually black women many of which were enslaved black women. Wow. And uh, it was just like a very female-centric, yeah, like medical focus that is right <laughs> until the Civil War. And basically around Civil War times, this coalition of male doctors already knew where this is going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they basically like they decided to outlaw abortion and it was for a couple of reasons. Mm. Uh, one, they didn't like that women had basically medical authority in any way. Right. Well, so they started like trying to strip away the authority of midwives mm. and saying that like, Oh, you can't trust them. They're not real medical practitioners. And the other reason was that they also just like wanted to control women's bodies. <laughs> What a shock. (laughs) Right. I'm not familiar with that concept. Can you explain? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically, like, they didn't like that women were particularly, like, white women Mm. were having children later in life or selecting Mm. how many women or how many children they would have. And then they were able to more easily go do things outside of the home and, you know, gain a little bit more power and equal standing in society. So like a lot of it was an attempt to control that. And I want to take a moment here to say that this official restriction was just put on white women, like Mm. BIPOC women particularly black enslaved women were never allowed to have abortions because they were property. Right. And so if they got pregnant, 
yeah. that child would then be like, oh, you know, property, free enslaved property. person, right. free property. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's gross. Right. They were never allowed abortions because they were never allowed really any agency over themselves anyway. So. Right. And an additional level on top of this. So abortions were nationally outlawed in 1910. Mm. But white women that were rich enough were still able to go get abortions if they could travel and if they needed them. So that's something that, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of see, par- you can totally see parallels Parody, to that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sorry, sort of to go back to something you were talking about a little bit, it's really interesting mm-hmm. to me that there was this sort of commodification of women's medicine in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Like before that, it was this like, you know, midwives and uh, women sort of looking out for each other and, and, um, helping deliver babies. And it wasn't this like serious medical thing, but as soon as men kind of figured out that they could control something or maybe Mm -hmm. charge a lot of money for it or take power away from someone else, it was like, we're in charge of the babies now, despite the literal thousands of years of women doing this for other women, essentially. Um, and pregnant people. Yep. That is it was very much it was very much fueled by misogyny and racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to mention that one of the other reasons this 1910 abortion ban came about was because uh, also people were worried that white women were not having enough babies. And that would mean that white oh, people God. would not be the majority race anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> And let me, I have this, um, I have a quote from this article. It says, the Victorian anti-abortion movement portrayed women who terminated their pregnancies as unnatural and selfish, undermining the expected patriotic and godly role of the American woman, that of the wife and mother. So there's a very clear, (laughs) clear line Mm -hmm. that restricting abortions was done in order to maintain the patriarchy. Like you can't. (laughs) Yeah. White supremacist, hetero patriarchy, of course. Yeah. They're, they're like thing. open about it, right? It's like when states yeah. were like, we're seceding from the rest of the country because of slavery. And people are somehow like, no, it was economics. And they're like, <laughs> no, we're doing it because of slavery. <laughs> the economics of keeping black people poor. Right. Of like a perpetual free labor force. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> that economy? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're very open about just being like, no, we need, we need the white people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that abortion ban, it was a national abortion ban that was started in 1910. That lasted until until Roe v. Wade. Wow. What is that, like almost 50, 60 years? Yeah. And it gets really interesting here. <laughs> fun, fun. So basically during all that time of illegal abortions, women were still getting abortions. That's the thing is these bans do not stop people from getting abortions. I think most people know this, uh, around 5,000 people or women a year were dying from botched abortions in that time. And it's crazy because pre pre the 1910 ban abortions were considered at least as safe as giving birth. So Hmm. if you get pregnant, your health is at risk yeah. in, in, in this earlier time, but you're not at any more risk to get an abortion than you are to ha- be pregnant and then give birth gotcha. back in these days. So yeah, it was never about any kind of like safety for anybody or anything like mm-hmm. that. It was, you know, if anything, making abortion illegal really harmed the safety right. of made it less safe, made pregnant so many safe. women. So, that basically brings us to the 1970s where Roe v. Wade happened, which was, you know, a very famous Supreme Court case that then took abortion, which had been nationally illegal. Right. It then made abortion like basically a right. I don't know if legally that's what you'd call it, but Mm -hmm. it basically made it so that states were not allowed to ban abortion. Yeah. uh, Until a certain moment. I think it was like a certain number of weeks. It's, oh, it's until the fetus is viable outside the womb. Yeah. I actually go into this decision a lot so we can talk about it in my okay, section perfect. too. Yeah. So, I mean, just in general that 
Supreme Court case, it took a lot. Like, I, I believe yeah. it took many, many years of like different women and people advocating for women and, or, you know, people with a uterus, yeah, <laughs> people capable of giving birth. Uh, it took a lot of, of advocacy and pushing for these things to happen. And I think in that time before it finally went to the Supreme Court, only 11 different states kind of started making more liberal mm. laws around abortion. Uh, so that going up to the Supreme Court was fucking huge. Yeah. And, you know, Jen's going to talk a little bit more about what, what's been going on now with that. But the last thing I want to touch on when I, as I'm talking through this history is Mm. the religious right, because this is what I find fucking fascinating about abortion. So there's a really, really good article from Politico that I will link in the show description uh, that is called The Abortion Myth and the Religious Right. Mm. So there's this myth on the religious right that abortion has always been a hot button topic that Mm. they've always cared about. This is like plain faced a lie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And there's evidence for it. So basically prior to the 1970s, Uh, evangelicals did not have a strong opinion about abortion. This was very clearly a Catholic issue. Catholics Mm. have always been anti-abortion. Right. Evangelicals didn't really care. And there is this 1968 edition of the magazine Christianity Today, which I believe is still a magazine Mm -hmm. uh, that's really popular among Christians, where they gathered together a group of 26 different, like, high-profile theologians to debate the abortion topic for days and then they published the findings of that Mm -hmm. and essentially what these 26 theologians came to was that they couldn't come to an agreement about it but they did agree that it shouldn't be illegal and they were even going so far as saying things like a woman's body is like her choice And if there's a psychological case for the mother, then abortion is totally understandable. You know, like things that you would never, ever hear coming out of a conservative mouth these days. Yeah. And there was big, big evangelical names that had these views, including Billy Graham and the founder of Focus on the Family, James Dobson. Oh, my God. So in the 1970s, the IRS decided that they wanted to take away the tax exempt status of institutions that were, you know, big on segregation, which was a lot of different universities at the time in the 1970s, uh, in particular, like Bob Jones University was a big one. Uh, These were like all white academies, like full on segregation. (laughs) And uh, the owners of a lot of these, you know, whites only segregation academies were evangelical. And these people were men and they were powerful and they knew that they needed to mobilize the evangelical Mm. voting block in order to keep their tax exempt status. But they knew that they wouldn't be able to mobilize the evangelical voters just for keeping the tax exempt status of these segregated academies. So instead they tried to push for government intrusion Mm. into their affairs, uh, being an assault on religious freedom. So that was what they first tried to push for. Like, Hey, look at the government getting involved in our religious freedoms to have these segregated schools. Yeah. With school choice and stuff, which is still, you know, something that you see in the Republican party. Uh, we saw that with the, uh, what was that case with the the cake for the gay couple? Oh, uh, or there's also like Hobby Lobby with the, um, the birth control and everything. So sincerely held religious beliefs, which is such a non, a non term. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, this is still something they use, but uh, no matter how they tried to do this, this still didn't get the evangelical voting bloc fired up enough to mm-hmm. really change anything about politics. So that is when they pivoted to abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, there was just a span of a few years where they started really pushing the whole like, this is life, like people right. are They're murdering their babies. babies. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's crazy in this Politico article, you can see that 
a lot of these preachers and really prominent evangelicals didn't start talking against abortion until the late 1970s, which is mm. after Roe v. Wade has passed. Right. And after they had sort of, quote unquote, lost all of those civil rights acts around mm -hmm. segregation and just voting rights and civil rights for black and brown people in this country. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read a quote from this political article real quick to wrap this up, but mm -hmm. I just thought it really, it really uh, summarized everything. Sure. With a cunning diversion, they were able to conjure righteous fury against legalized abortion and thereby lend a veneer of respectability to their political activism. Mm. And that's totally what we see today. Yeah. People who are anti-abortion view abortion as a sin, like a moral it's a moral issue for people right, right. and they feel justified. Like murder, yeah. They feel, and it, it goes all together with the idea of, you know, um, what is it called when you, it's like single issue a politics. Single issue voter. Yeah. Yeah. Like people will care so strongly about protecting unborn babies and being anti-abortion that they will just vote conservative. Right. They'll vote for people like Marjorie Taylor green. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. insane. Because no matter what, they're anti-choice. Um, yep. Yeah, that yep. is really, really crazy, and it's it's interesting to see the parallels between, um, you know, people fighting against civil rights in order to maintain their power, and today trying to sub uh, you know subjugate more people to maintain their power, just in a different mm -hmm. uh, path. Um, yeah. It's clearly about power and control and money. <laughs> mm-hmm sad yeah especially when you look at the people that this clearly affects yeah. like one thing that the planned parenthood article kind of uh one thing that the planned parenthood article pointed out was even while roe v wade was around there was still things that were hurting particularly bipoc people right which in particular, they pointed out the Hyde Amendment, which right. says that you can't use any Medicaid funds mm -hmm. to pay for an abortion. Right. And because of systemic racism, a lot of BIPOC people have jobs that don't provide health care for them. So right. they are on Medicaid and then they are not able and to get abortions. Get abortion. Yeah. <laughs> I think weird, right? <laughs> so weird how that works. So crazy. You know, there's a common thing that I think people say about BIPOC people getting reproductive care and they sort of point out that the fact that there are um, more BIPOC people seeking abortion and to terminate their pregnancies is like some sort of racist ideology. And they point out that Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood, was um, a eugenicist. Uh -huh. But they, I think that's a really convenient narrative, right? They fail to look at the entire system of racism that, mm -hmm. that disincludes black and brown people from getting medical treatment, from uh, having more resources, from, um, you know, good factual sex education, as we've done uh, uh, an episode on. Um, yeah. And because they don't have those resources, those are the reasons why they're seeking out abortions at higher rates, not because someone mm -hmm. is specifically targeting um, black and brown people. Um, and I think that, you know, as we'll talk about, this more, we'll see that, like you said, in this single issue voter, these people have blinders on to how they can mm -hmm. really actually reduce the abortion rate if that's what they really want or make this society more equitable. So people like choose to bring children into this world. You don't have to force people to stay pregnant. Um, yeah. you know, if you just make things more equitable, I think people would choose to have more babies. I, I don't know. It's just a thought. <laughs> right. Well, when Jen and I first were talking about recording a few episodes about abortion, that was back when there was just the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned. And uh, I think like it was like a few days before we were about to like record it, it got overturned and we were like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, we've been dreading doing this episode for a long time. Yeah, and, and Jen is a lovely human who offered to cover the second half of this episode, which is talking about mm -hmm. the implications of overturning Roe v. Wade, which is now an unfortunate part of our fucking history. Yeah, the implications are happening. So, Roe v. Wade was a landmark 
decision by the Supreme Court of the United States that has been overturned, um, was overturned in June. Yep. Uh, basically, it's an attack on uh, people's privacy rights and medical decisions uh, and and privacy in general. It could extend beyond medical decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Roe v. Wade was specifically about someone's right to seek an abortion and terminate a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So there are other there are other decisions that are related to this sort of privacy idea that could be under attack because now Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Like there's um. For example, someone's right to seek contraception kind of falls under the same purview that Roe v. Wade did. Um, so Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court has said that they could possibly revisit that decision. They could possibly revisit same-sex marriage decisions uh, because they were all sort of found to be legal under the same precedent that Roe was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was specifically the due process clause of the 14th Amendment, that everyone is entitled to the same protection under the law. So people who can get pregnant should be able to um, maintain some privacy in, in seeking an abortion. Mm-hmm. Even though privacy itself is not specifically said in the Constitution, the uh, SCOTUS judges said that it, f- it fell under the 14th Amendment and that reasonably people could be expected to have some sort of privacy protection under the Constitution. And it's why people have said that Roe is not a very strong case because privacy is not specifically spelled out in the Constitution as a right that we have, which obviously I think is bullshit. Like, how could, like, a couple dozen uh, slave-owning white men from the 1700s possibly understand what life would be like for anyone in 2022? Okay, so they didn't think that, like, the state would know anything about your private life, or they didn't understand that, like, social media is a thing. So we can't just be like, well, these these dudes, like, uh, this guy who was raping his slaves, like, he thought, he didn't think that privacy was... Uh, was a thing that we should put in constitution. So we should interpret it as if he's writing it or mm-hmm. something that is stupid. And if you come to me with that argument, I will <laughs> rip you a new one. Um, so basically it said that abortion is a private decision between a woman and her doctor. Government should not be involved with that. So rather than specifically like granting the specific rights to abortion, it basically said that States couldn't make laws restricting it. Um, and it kind of had a guideline based on trimesters, like there should be no restrictions in the first trimester, except for basic medical requirements, like that a licensed physician should be performing them. Mm-hmm. And then as you kind of progress in your pregnancy, there are stricter and stricter requirements. Um, and they noted that viability was kind of the standard by which states could maybe make laws or, you know, banning mm-hmm. it or outlawing it or placing more restrictions on it. And they left it specifically vague because um, viability is not a hard and fast timeline. Like every fetus is going to be more or less viable and every um, pregnancy is different. And so it's important that the, the person who's pregnant and the person who's pregnant's doctor are the ones making that decision because like 20 weeks for one fetus is not the same as 20 weeks for another fetus. Wouldn't that also vary based on the technology we have available? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I think a lot of people talk about this. They're like, well, we're just going to get better and better technology. But the thing about that is that the lungs develop around somewhere between like 19-ish weeks. Mm -hmm. And so there is going to be a point in which like a person is just fundamentally not developed enough mm-hmm. to be born and sustain their own life. I think the earliest has been 20 weeks and they have a lot of complications. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll, we will invent artificial wombs that can, yeah. you can put a fetus in and they'll develop. But as of right now, going sooner than like 19 or 20 weeks is pretty impossible. And it's probably not going to get more possible. Yeah. Right. Who needs lungs? Um, who <laughs> need, fuck them. Just put on a, a oxygen tank. You'll be fine. <laughs> So there were notes about performing or not performing abortions based on the health of the mother and or the pregnant person. And they did include kind of like how Kaylee was saying um, the idea that if it was going to cause a lot of psychological distress to the pregnant person, that they shouldn't be forced to carry out um, a pregnancy or if it was going to cause a lot of distress to the child when they were born or they weren't going to have enough resources to uh, live a healthy, uh, good life. then that was also, um, could be a risk factor. How do you make that case? Well, I think, I think it's important that those things are, are noted so that, yeah. So that people who are pregnant can make that decision. Right. Like, um, if they can say this, but do you have to be like, do you have to like go to your doctor with paperwork Mm. 
that's like, I talked to a psychologist and they said that yeah. being pregnant would be bad for my mental health. I'm, I'm really not sure how it worked in the seventies or I bet or, it depends on the state yeah. too. Um, I'm sure that that is a thing that you would have to do. Meanwhile, you're just getting more and more pregnant, right? So the longer you wait, <laughs> the less likely it is you'll be able to get an abortion. Yep. That's what they want. Exactly. That's actually been a tactic of yeah, many states. Absolutely. While Roe v. Wade was around. It's heinous. It's heinous. So now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, that right to privacy and seeking an abortion specifically is not federally protected, which means states can create essentially whatever laws they want around abortion, including outright banning it, uh, including placing mm-hmm. really strict restrictions on it, or just like weird, not even medically accurate restrictions on it. Like we'll, we'll talk about how some politicians have insisted that you can relocate an ectopic pregnancy, which is not possible <laughs> to do. I promise. <laughs> I, I think it's so impressive how politicians have like, you know, a full political job and then also all of this amazing medical knowledge. Right. Exactly. They are just so <laughs> smart about everything. Um, <laughs> So with the overturn of Roe v. Wade, there have there are a few states that already had um, abortion protections in, the, in their constitution or somehow encoded in law. Uh, those states are California, Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, Maryland, Nevada, and Washington. So yeah. maybe we should all move there and only... West Coast. And a few others. Fuck men who are from there. Um, <laughs> and then on the yeah. other sort of side of this, there were a lot of states that had trigger laws that would sort of be enacted as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned. And they're mostly their outright bans on abortion. So Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Dakota, and South Dakota all had trigger laws that put extreme restrictions on abortion in some way. And uh, we can talk a little bit about some states. Um, Some some have happy endings and some have not so happy endings. Um, I have Alabama's law here, which I'm sure you can you can guess is really fucking awful. Um, <laughs> so they had a pre-Roe abortion ban that was last amended in 1951. So it's still on the books. Uh, and so um, modern. I know, right? <laughs> They've probably got some civil rights laws that are from 1951 too, that are about segregation. <laughs> Just waiting for that to be overturned. Um, <laughs> so it bans- the sad part is that's probably true. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I, yes, I'm not joking. So that law bans abortion in all cases except to preserve the life of the mother, which again is kind of like a little gray area, but we just need to change the word life to lifestyle. <laughs> the lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think we should try to argue that. <laughs> People convicted under the statute would face a maximum fine of $1,000 and a maximum jail time of 12 months. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can go to jail yeah. and get fined. Performing for an, abortion an abortion is a class A felony with up to 99 Wait, years. Performing in- or getting? Performing. That was for getting. I think that convicted is the, yeah, getting an abortion is $1,000 in jail time of <gasps> 12 months. Performing an abortion is a class A felony with up to 99 years in prison. And attempted abortion is a class C felony punishable by one to 10 years in prison under a pending law passed in May 2019. So there, this, sorry, I didn't read the full wow. sentence, but this is what they're trying to update it to. Um, what? What? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. I'm just upset. <laughs> I, yeah. So I tell you, I cried reading a lot of this stuff. So it's interesting. There are kind of two sets of laws. Some criminalize um, the pregnant person for seeking an abortion. And a lot of them criminalize yeah. doctors and medical professionals who perform abortions. And, um, I think that's kind of a, a slick, sly way that they, uh, you know, anti-choice people say like, you can seek an abortion, but like, you know, the person who's doing it is the criminal. But obviously that just forces doctors to not provide reproductive health care. Um, it's kind of brings into question, like, can, is, is contraceptive an abortifacient, which is what they call it. Like, can we p- be prescribing, um, contraception if it perhaps causes, uh, Uh, an embryo or a zygote to not implant like does that count as an abortion under this new state law or you know we have a mother who is experiencing severe uh medical issues with her pregnancy but is that enough of the mother's life and health being affected um so you wind up 
just having people who really need medical care, who do have ectopic pregnancies, who do have crazy health issues, who do need yeah. to terminate their pregnancies, just waiting in limbo while doctors are like, well, I don't know. Cause no one wants to go to jail for 99 years for like giving someone a pill. Come on. So, yeah. um, I think that is also, um, deceitful to say that like women are not going to be prosecuted or pregnant people are not going to be prosecuted under this law but like okay so the outcome is that they maybe die like that's better what are you what are what are you saying um jen if they don't get an abortion and they die at least they'll still go to heaven right the baby and the well sorry only if they accepted jesus (laughs) exactly and uh the fact that they had premarital sex probably means uh, not looking good it's not looking great it's not looking great (laughs) Um, uh, Kansas is an interesting one. Kansas is pretty conservative and they've had, um, lots of attempts at creating anti-choice laws and legislation in their state over the years, especially the last like five to seven years. However, they put a referendum on the ballot, um, early August and the state, the voters decided that they wanted to protect, uh, abortion rights in the state of Kansas. That's part of Kansas's constitution now that people have a right to yeah. abortion. So, uh, you know, I think that there, <laughs> there is hope for conservative states, right? I do think people <laughs> buy into the fact that, yes, yeah, states should not be making medical decisions mm-hmm. for you. Um, and so I just kind of hold out hope for some of the other places as well. It's crazy because, you know, most people don't want no abortion. Right. Like even really religious people don't think there should be absolutely no abortion, but like, right. That's how a lot of these hyper conservative politicians are acting. Right. And, and even if they're not, even if they're like, yeah, some are okay. I think it sort of begs the question. Well, like, well, when, what is okay? And, and I fundamentally don't believe that some dude in Congress is going to be able to make a law, whether they're conservative, liberal, leftist, Mm -hmm. extreme, right. There's going to be able to make a law that, accounts for everyone's needs like pregnancy health stuff medical stuff is such an individual thing that um the only people who should be making decisions about it are the person experiencing it and that person's doctor like that's what i keep coming back to is like you you can't possibly know every every situation and every person's medical stuff to be able to make a law like this We'll, we'll have to, uh, it's so hard not to like dive into that right now because I, I really want to, we will. but we're going to we'll be talking there. about that in our next episode. We so shall. let's, let's keep, let's keep <laughs> let's going. Let's I know, I know Ohio. I started that. No, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, we I'm going to Ohio soon. Am I going to be sad about that? Yeah. You're going to be real sad. Don't get pregnant there. <laughs> well, so Ohio has one of the most like layered kind of intense abortion laws because they've kind of passed, they were a state that was really trying to push it to the Supreme court. So they've passed like incremental Uh, abortion laws and they have um, a fetal heartbeat law basically that says if you can detect a fetal heartbeat, which you can usually detect at about six weeks, then um, (sighs) you can't get an abortion and there are no exceptions made for rape, incest or fetus determined to have um, like genetic abnormalities. Oh my Um, God. Also lots and lots and lots of women don't know that they're pregnant by five or six weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's right because they, how they calculate pregnancy is, um, basically from your last last period, period, the start of your last period. So if your period is Uh a week long, right. Um, Uh you're actually only five weeks pregnant when you're technically six weeks pregnant. So you have less time to seek an abortion. Um, and a lot of, a lot of women are just late. Right. Exactly. You might not think that seriously about it. Also, pregnancy tests you get at the store are not always accurate. You really need to go get yeah. your pregnancy test from a doctor, exactly. which I don't know about anyone else, but it's been a fucking struggle to get in to right. see a doctor lately. Right. And then to have to maybe talk to your partner and your doctor about what your options are to mm-hmm. then make the decision to terminate the pregnancy, to, to get the date where you can actually go in and get the pill or, or get yeah. the procedure. Like that's way past six weeks. Take time off work. Right. Maybe have to travel somewhere exactly. depending on where you live. And I also yep. want to note that a heart is not formed at six weeks. The fact that it's called a heartbeat is really medically inaccurate. Cardiac Ooh. cells, even when they're in a Petri dish, if you have five cardiac cells that are kind of connected to each other, they will pulse. Mm-hmm. They will Ew. beat. 
because that, that is what cardiac cells do. <laughs> and when they all come together, they form a heart and they pump blood through your body. But that they fucking party. <laughs> yeah. If there are videos of, of cardiac cells in a Petri dish that like beat. So these are like electromagnetic pulses that are going on. Yeah. There is no heart. So it can't be a heartbeat. Um, Jen, it's life of the party. (laughs) (laughs) Some strobe lights in there, some streamers. Um, So I think that's all these conservatives care about. They're just trying to keep the party going. Trying not to kill the vibe. You gotta fight for your right (laughs) to party. Two for birth. Oh, Oh, sorry. Wrong lyrics. I was looking at the wrong book. Um, Yeah, so I think this is again like a a attempt um, for people who are not in the medical field to force yeah. these medical terms that are just inaccurate and very emotional, right? Like when you think about mm-hmm. ending someone's heartbeat, like that's, I, I can see yeah. how you would take the step into, well, that's murder, right? But, yeah. but yeah. like a human body has not formed at six weeks, you know, a heart has not formed at six weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, in my opinion, really just playing on your uh, emotions Yep. Um, there are some things in there also in the Ohio law about, uh, prosecuting doctors versus prosecuting women. And, and it's, it's kind of layered and, uh, I think supposed to be confusing so that everyone's yeah. afraid yeah. to go get abortions or go seek medical help. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what they want that even if they haven't, mm-hmm. you know, covered every use case, they want you to feel like you can't get one at all anyway. So also kind of related to this stuff, a lot of this was passed. A lot of these Ohio laws were passed very recently in the last few years. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, there was an ongoing case in the state of Ohio about a 10 year old rape victim who had gotten pregnant and could not get an abortion in the state of Ohio and tried to sue for it. And the judge denied her ability to get an abortion. So they, the family had to go to Indiana and get an abortion there. And obviously that is disgusting and heartbreaking um, to even have to go yeah. before a judge at all and ask like as a 10 year old. Right. So the other kind of heartbreaking piece of this is when this news was kind of floating around the internet, conservative outlets and commentators started to say that this case was a lie and that this girl did not exist. Um, Jesus. Even I think the attorney general of the state of Ohio said that this case was not true. I actually, I don't know if it was the attorney general. Don't, so don't, Actually, let me look into the article that I, it was, it was the attorney general. (laughs) It was was the attorney general. So that this, this girl did not exist. Sorry. I didn't mean to laugh like this funny. I laughed like really go fuck yourself. That's okay. I've been doing that too. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, then, then the, the, uh, 27 year old man who raped this, this girl, um, was indicted. And so it was like, here's, here's all the stuff that you need to know to see that this is not, that this is a true actual case. Um, and fuck you. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're going to be seeing this a lot more. I mean, this case was particularly heartbreaking because it included, it includes a child, but, yeah. um, lots of, uh, politicians thinking that they know more and better about people's individual circumstances and lives than the people themselves do and insisting that you don't really need an abortion or this person, you know, Maybe they were sexually assaulted, but like, what were they wearing? Like, you know, should, do they need yeah. to take responsibility for this? So, um, yeah, this, this is, uh, this is the future that we all are. What's really sinister to me hearing you talk about all of this is that a lot of these laws, particularly the trigger laws mm-hmm. or the incremental ones, uh, there's been an influx of them. I'd say within the last five to 10 years, I, I will link this if I can find it in the notes, but I did see um, a chart somewhere recently that was saying that the amount of laws to restrict Mm -hmm. or make legal abortion has like totally increased a ton in the last five to 10 years. And the reason I say that's sinister is that's because a lot of these conservatives and the religious right have been paying attention and they knew that if they were able to get their guy in office, Mm -hmm. AKA Donald Trump, they would be able to put, you know, he'd be able to put justices, anti-abortion justices in the Supreme court. And then they could do something like overturning Roe v. Wade, which, 
I didn't even know was possible to overturn something like that. And mm-hmm. it sca- sets us very scary uh, precedent, yeah. especially when the Supreme Court is supposed to be nonpartisan, right? Which is just silly, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like for how partisan our politics are, imagining that some person on the Supreme Court, which makes some huge fucking decisions, yeah. could be nonpartisan, just doesn't make sense. Right. And particularly when it it's people that weren't even voted into office. Like they're placed into office by a president who didn't even win the popular popular vote. vote. Like what? Yeah. I mean, I, I I could talk all day about Donald Trump, but I think it's obvious with how just heinous (laughs) Donald Trump is that it doesn't, it didn't matter to uh, conservatives who was in office as long as a conservative was in office. Yep. And so they could use, use that to, you know, he appointed hundreds of, of circuit judges, maybe thousands too. So it's not just mm-hmm. Supreme court. It's like throughout all the States judges making conservative right. decisions. Um, yeah, they like, this has been, uh, something they've been plotting for a long time and it's, yeah, it's heinous yeah. and scary. Um, it's yeah. and I don't want to give the impression that I think all people with conservative politics are mm-hmm. like bad people. Yeah. I think that I think that a lot of times maybe people aren't looking at the full implications of what these right. things do to people that are underprivileged or underserved yeah. or you know just don't have the same experience with them. Mm-hmm. Uh you know so I, I'm not trying to sit here and say like all conservatives are bad people yeah. and, and we will get into this in our next episode. We're going to talk a lot about how to talk to people that you disagree with about abortion because mm-hmm. um, like it or not, like we do need to find common ground here with people. And I do think that it's possible. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going to get into it now, but <laughs> look forward to that next week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can I make one last point and to wrap it up? Yes. Okay. So yes. Th- the other thing that's been kind of getting to me is watching politicians debate in different state uh, senates or, or Congress about these mm-hmm. laws and just watching how I'm going to say mostly men, but mostly men are in Congress. Yeah literally do not know what the fuck they are talking about biologically when they talk about women's bodies and pregnancy. Like, um, you know, people insisting that ectopic pregnancies can be located, relocated back to the uterus is not possible. They've implanted in some place other than the uterus and taking them out of that implementation will cut off, um, any sort of nutrients or life-sustaining force to them. So removing them, Mm -hmm. you can't just like hook them back up to a uterus. Um, And if you let the ectopic pregnancy stay in the fallopian tube or someplace it's not designed to be where the uterus is designed to stretch and accommodate a pregnancy, um, that organ will rupture that organ and that organ rupture will kill the pregnant person. Like there is no way around it. Something has Mm -hmm. to happen to end the pregnancy or the woman, the pregnant person will die. Um, And so it's been really frustrating to watch people sort of insist that this is possible or people to insist that um, pregnant people who seek abortions uh, for life-saving things are not actually abortions. That's another thing I've heard people saying like, well, that's not an abortion if you get it because you need it. And it's again, it is them them attempting to like (laughs) vilify um, or demonize abortions. Like the people get abortions are the bad people. And if you need it, it's not an abortion. Yeah. But abortions Uh are healthcare abortions save mm-hmm. lives abortions are necessary medical care i will not budge one inch on that um Agreed. and i think that's probably where we can wrap it up yeah we'll talk next week like kaylee said on our personal journeys with being pro-choice and how to talk to people who are anti-choice about yes being pro-choice i think we'll have a really interesting conversation about mm-hmm. that next week and hopefully that will be useful for people going forward because like it or not there are a lot of conservative people here and there are a lot of anti-abortion people here Mm -hmm. and we need to find a way to make america an equitable place for everyone and i think the the beginning step of that is you know I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't think anti-abortion and pro-choice people are ever going to see eye to eye, but 
there are things that we can do that can still help people and be equitable for mm-hmm. a larger amount of people than what we have going on now. Yeah. So agreed. Agreed. Baby steps. All right. Little fetus baby steps. Teeny tiny fetus steps. <laughs> Actually, fetus have not developed feet yet, so uh, we can't. That's take in the steps. name, Jen. Feet. Feet us. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. In the meantime, if you're feeling sad and want to donate any money, uh, the National Network of Abortion Funds is a really good organization that helps mm-hmm. people that are located in places that can't get abortions mm-hmm. get an abortion if they need it. So yeah. go check, go that, check out that out and also if you want. You can look into um, abortion clinics and funds in your local area if they need help um, organizing or uh, escorting people who need uh, abortion care. That's also an option. I would uh, recommend that you look locally because there are, there's Mm -hmm. a ton of grassroots and local efforts going on. You don't need to reinvent the real reinvent the wheel here to support (laughs) your local community. That's already out there. Yes, indeed. Love it. Um, Okay. Well, that that was a lot hopefully (laughs) hopefully you uh learned something and uh if you want to reach out to us and talk to us you're always welcome to do that our email is hello at sexedshouldn'tsuck.com and we've got a contact form on our website as well which is sexedshouldn'tsuck.com yeah and uh we've also got an instagram and a twitter we do that's the same it's it's our name just find us just google us we're out there same old same old uh we also have a patreon right you can check out our patreon Mm -hmm. if you like what we're doing here and want to support us to make more episodes we'd love that yeah um yep we love our patrons specifically bill billiam thank you bill for being a supporter of the show uh y'all can also check out our newsletter on substack called that time of the month you can also find it by looking for sex that shouldn't suck uh i you know i'm i'm not gonna lie haven't been putting it out the last few months because we've been on a break <laughs> been on a break but uh but we're I'll, back, baby. I'll get that oh yeah yeah i'll get that going again in september <laughs> uh so please check that out i'm trying to not be burnt out <laughs> <laughs> trying to continue to light myself on fire and not burn out yeah the more people that subscribe to it, the less burnt out I'll be. Mm, so I like the sound of that. <laughs> That's probably not true. <laughs> but I still want you to subscribe. <sighs> Is there anything else? Oh, Kent. Kent. Thanks, Kent. Thanks, Kent. Thanks, Kent. You're the best. Thanks for mastering our sound and listening to us babble on about feminism all day. Yes. And, uh... Yeah, we've already said what we're listening, what we're doing next week. So join us next week to hear more about abortion. But this next one will be much less factual, much more emotionally right, charged. Yeah, or not charged, but like centered. Nothing wrong with emotions. Yeah, and it'll. I think it will be useful, and I think Jen and I will have a really good conversation about about stuff, stuff about things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though we disagree <laughs> potentially on some of the outcomes, so that should be interesting. Yeah, but we don't disagree on the fundamentals, which yeah. does help. <laughs> it definitely helps. But I think it's also important to know that there are like differences of opinion, even in pro-choice circles, on how we accomplish these things. So we're going to try to figure out yeah. how to once and for all totally accomplish this goal. <laughs> <laughs> you heard yep. it here first. We're going to solve it. We're going to solve the problem. <laughs> Or at the very least, give you some tools to help help solve the problem in your family, area, community, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Love Bye you. Bye, guys. Love you. <laughs>